between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles to Book of John, John chapter 4. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. John chapter 4. Praise God. Father, we thank you tonight and we bless your holy name. Thank you for another another appointment with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your life and for your knowledge and for your grace upon us. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Lord, we bless your holy name. Father, thank you because of the abundant counsel, Lord, in your heart. You who walk all things according to the counsel of your will. Thank you for your counsel to bless us today because you desire to do so. Thank you, our Shiloh, to whom we gather tonight. Bless you for, thank you for all trance of the Spirit, even, even Lord, the, the release, Lord, of your voice. The voice of God that can cause our heart to take the journey, Lord, which you ought to take. That voice of God which carries the message, the message of your life. Lord, I know that those, only those who mercy has helped can hear. So I ask, Lord, for each heart to receive mercy tonight, to, to hear your word and to listen to you and to... God, receive, Lord, blessing out of your mouth. Thank you. We will come under help of the Spirit tonight and we receive the grace of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the pastures of your word, Lord, that alters constantly day after day that has fresh, Lord, things to say concerning our heart and our soul. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for priestly ministry, the ministry of separated things, or the ministry of holy things. Thank you for even the priesthood which you have caused, Lord, to be ordained, Lord, upon the earth at this time. For even the priesthood that you've allowed, Lord, to fetch out of your blessing, even for the people of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy which will, by which you will connect with that ministry, whose 
us which headed by your son Jesus who is the ultimate high priest the high priest even of good things to come we connect to his ministry tonight and we pray that you will quicken our heart and our ear to even hear the voice of his mouth thank you father I ask Lord for um, the grace to be blessed upon every heart today and take away every other spirit which is not compatible with blessing Thank you, our Father. We come meekly. I bring even my own vessel, Lord, meekly this evening, bringing it under subjection, Lord, of your hand and, Lord, under subjection of your voice, that your voice, Lord, will pass through this vessel very freely, make it a conduit, conduit of your life. That as I speak, Lord, my tongue will use it as a pen of a ready writer that can write, Lord, the Spirit upon the hearts of your people. Thank you, Father. Give glory and honor to your holy name. <clears throat> in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I said, John, okay. You can put your hands in John. Let's go to Second Corinthians. <clears throat> Praise God. Please welcome somebody. Amen. Are you guys happy to be in the presence of God today? I'm just checking. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Second Corinthians. If you're there, say Amen. Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 1, says that, that, do we begin again to commend ourselves, praise God, or, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you? Do we begin to commend ourselves, or need we epistles of commendation? Praise God. Um, if you are seated, maybe where I can't see you, if you feel, if you feel like moving, you, you are free to move. <laughs> That's if you feel. Um, praise God. If you feel you want to move, maybe so I can have eye contact with you, it's okay. Um, praise God. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, verse chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation <coughs> from you? Do we, it says, do we need that? Praise God. But for ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and what? Known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ma. Praise God. I feel better now. I can see. I can see your face. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Um, so, yeah, yeah, our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, 
ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such cry, such trust have we through Christ to God word that we are not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything, to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the word of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Praise the Lord. For the letter killeth, but what? But the Spirit giveth what? Giveth light. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. Amen. Amen. He has made us able ministers of the new what? Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For what? The letter kills, but the Spirit giveth life. Praise God in verse 1. Um, he's saying, um, he said, do we need to write letters of commendation? Or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? That ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and then what? Read of all men. So what they're saying is that you are, you have become the, you are, you have become the exact, the exact, I don't want to say even image, it's not an, it's the exact essence of the epistle, um, which is written in our hearts. So, if what he's saying that if men can read you, then they have read the word, the epistle. Praise God. So they've read the word, the epistle that has been committed to our our hearts. Praise God. So, so, so it's very clear that the real epistles are actually men. That men are the men are the epistles. So what what the purpose of the of ministry is to raise people who can bear the truth of what is being committed to, the, to a minister. So a minister, the proof of a minister's ministry is when that which is written in his heart can then what? Comfort and show forth as what? As, as people. Praise God. Do you understand that? So, so, really, people are the epistle. The way God has, the way they, they've designed it, that what should be read are actually men. So, men, the, the earth ha- will not yet begin to witness, to see the epistle. You know, there's a way that God has designed for men to see him. For, sorry, for the earth to see him, for example, the Bible says that it shall come to pass that the earth shall be filled with what? The glory of God. And he does speak about the knowledge of the glory of God, even as, what, though, as the waters, what? 
as the waters cover the sea. Praise God. Then you will see Jesus, the Bible speaking concerning all eyes seeing him. Right? He said, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and with all what eyes shall see him. And now, it's very clear that the only way that all eyes, then another place said that all flesh shall behold the glory of God. It's clear that the only way flesh can behold glory is flesh can only behold the embodied glory that has come upon men who have received the word, the image of God. Praise the Lord. Um, so men are actually the epistles. Men are, are epistles. Men are the place, the, the final destination. It's not of God's word. It's not the scripture. The scripture is a, is a storage entity, an instrument by which we can fetch out the, the writings of the oracles of God. And then through that, it's supposed to be what? Installed in people. And then people can then cause this. What the, the, the language you use here is, um, let's see that. Praise God. Minister to us, then manifestly declared in verse 3. It says, for, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. So the manifest declaration of the epistle is actually when people have arisen who are bearers of that word, of that epistle. And the truth is that uh, men cannot really receive, when it talks about epistle, epistle, epistle has to do with, it's not just epistle means that which is written concerning the, you know, epistle means a letter to something that is written with. It's not just a truth that is there. It's something that is written, written to somebody. It has an epistle has an address. It means it's addressed to somebody. That's what the epistles are. The epistle means what is written, what is addressed to, to us. Amen. Amen. Now, so what is addressed to us is not just like pages of scripture. It's actually, they're actually natures in the spirit. They are spiritual nature that has your address on it. It's like it's an envelope in the spirit that has natures inside of it and has your name and your what? When I say address, I mean the address of your soul. <laughs> Praise God. And everyone is, you have been trying to post that thing into you to, for you to receive it. So it's very clear that the purpose of ministry of the New Testament is to cause men to, be, to receive what the, to receive the word, the aha. Amen. Praise God. To receive what the nature. Now the truth is that actual living essence of these natures doesn't sit in the scriptures. The actual living essence of those nature doesn't just sit in the scripture. The, it cannot sit, like you see this Bible I'm carrying right now, cannot carry the nature of Christ and God because this is just paper and ink, right? This is, the nature of God is not here. How many of you are, am I offending somebody? Are you getting offended? <laughs> please don't be offended, please. 
the nature of Christ is not here in this paper and ink. You can use this to do many things. You can use it to wrap your food. You can do all kinds of things with it. It's not, the, it's not here. So this is just a tool. It's an instrument. Do you agree with me? This is just a tool, right? This is a tool that heaven wants to use. So where, how does, where does nature come from? How do you get the nature then? Nature can only flow from person to person. Do you agree with that? You agree? This, the nature is not just here. So when you read, when you read, you have to read in, you read in such a way and there's an operation which God has designed among those for whom those natures are assigned, are addressed to, that by help, there's a, it's called the help of reading. It's not just reading how you want to read. Because there's a way you can read and read and read, but the nature will not come. Praise God. It's not just by reading and studying doesn't guarantee what nature coming. Um, that's the problem with many theologians and studiers of the Bible and scripture is that you can be, they can, someone can read till your head is full of the scriptures, but not have contacted even a tiny bit of the nature which the spirit, which the scripture, sorry, is speaking concerning. Praise God. So because nature has to be transferred by what? From person. The only, place, the only thing that can carry nature is soul. Do you agree with me? Only soul can do what? Only soul can carry nature. Soul can carry nature. Amen. Praise God. So it has to be, there has to be a way that this nature will come and God has given the order of custody of these things, those natures, praise God, upon the earth that it flows among men. The nature of Christ actually what? Flows among what? Among men. The nature of Christ flows where? Flows among men. The nature of Christ, can you say that? The nature of Christ Christ flows among men. So the scripture is the the scripture is the, the tool for aligning his soul to, to is the is the script of communicating the fashion of how a nature ought to be formed inside of a person. So the scripture contains what the details of how what that nature has to be what has to be formed from where from within a person praise god so and that's what this um these apostles um these apostles were not just when you say paul an apostle of christ he's not just saying that i am a man who talks about christ all the time what he's saying is that i am actually a person who what who is a giver of Christ. The word apostle means sent. Do you agree with that? Someone who is sent. An apostle means somebody who is sent. So the apostle of Christ is that who is sent with Christ. That was Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Someone who is sent. What is he sent? What is he carrying? He's carrying Christ. So a person, so an apostle is somebody. No apostle, nobody can be an apostle without a nature. Someone can be an evangelist 
without a nature. Now, when you speak about evangelistic ministry, the nature is an office in the body of Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, that evangelistic is one of the graces, the gifts of Christ, the office of an evangelist. That evangelistic office is not just for to get people born again. That is one aspect of the evangelistic office. There is an evangelistic trust for every aspect of God. Praise God. For every aspect of God's nature, there's an evangelistic trust concerning it. Someone can be an evangelistic of eternal life. Someone can be an evangelist of, of everlasting life. Someone can be an evangelist of Christ. In that, and when you see an evangelist, uh, praise God, there will be, you soon have a time where you see evangelists who are not just for getting people born again. You see that there will be time seasons of evangelists who, who are evangels of natures. Praise God, who are what? And those evangels of natures, they won't be operating outside the church primarily. They will be the ones who are trying to, to bring the, 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 the information concerning these natures to people who are already Christians. It's actually a part of the office, offices in the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so, but that's, his, that's, his, uh, that's a different thing. But when it comes to the apostolic office, there's something unique about the apostolic office is that the apostolic office is tied to, to image and nature. Image and nature. And an apostle is not an evangelist. An apostle, is, his job is not to come and tell you about something. His job is to come and give you something. He's sent. He's the one who is sent, praise God, to give. Amen. So, so, so because of that, an apostle, an apostle in the, of the New Testament must have formation. Every apostle will do apostolic work according to the formation of the nature which they are, which they are apostling. So if you don't have the formation of the apostle, you will not be able to do it well. Or if you don't have the formation of the nature, of the nature. Paul was saying in Romans chapter 1, praise God, that, that I receive grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all what? All nations. So why is it saying grace and apostleship? They can never bring you apostleship without grace. Right? Grace is talking about the, the way he holds. In what grace is this holding of the nature which he sent to apostle. Am I making some sense to you? Does that make sense? So it's very clear that a, real, a full apostle of Christ must be a Christ. That's just a simple thing that I'm telling you. Nobody can be an apostle of Christ in whom Christ hasn't been formed in. Like Paul said, my little children for whom I travail again. In birth, why did he use the word birth there? You know, when you see in that birth, you might say, I'm oh, just talking about how he will preach to them so that Christ can give birth to them. Read that place very well. My little children, my, my. Not, he's not talking about, we know of course it's Jesus who will give birth to them, but he's talking about, he said, my little children whom I am, tra- I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. Praise the Lord. So it's very clear that he can't travail in birth for Christ to be formed in them if Christ is not formed in him. 
That's one unique thing about apostolic ministry concerning Christ. Praise the Lord. So it's very clear that the ministry, the apostolic ministry of Christ could not start until Saul. They were, we saw the 12 apostles, well, the 11, then one replaced Judas. So they became 12 again. Praise God. They couldn't begin the ministry of formation of Christ in people, even though they had the scripture pertaining that to that. They had the scriptures, they had the law, they had the prophets. They had all the raw materials when it comes to the scriptures, that what it would take to go and make, bring the formation of Christ in people. They had the raw materials, but they couldn't go and do it. Praise God. They were, those, at that point, they were apostles of Jesus. When, you say, when I say apostles of Jesus, what do I mean? What, the, what I mean is that they were apostles of the nature that they had come into. Portion of Jesus. Like Jesus is a full stature in the spirit. They could, the aspect of Jesus they could see, which Jesus allowed them to have. Praise God. Which they could actually come into by encounter. They encountered Jesus' doctrine. Praise the Lord to a degree. And then they received the Holy Spirit. Amen. So those apostles at that time before they met Saul of Tarsus or Paul, Saul of Tarsus who became Paul, before they met Paul, they were apostles. They were also sent. But at that point, the best that they had was the Holy Spirit. Amen. And what you, what you call the name of Jesus. That's what they, they, they were giving. Praise God. And you saw them using that language in beautiful gate, that silver and gold I have not, but that which I have. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have, that what, what I have is my, it's my own allocation that they had at that time. It's what they had. So that I give unto you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and was and walk. Praise the Lord. So they were apostles. They were actually apostles of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Do you agree with me? They were apostles of what? Of the Holy Ghost. They were apostles of Jesus. But what part, what, what part of the nature of Jesus had they received at that particular point? It was what they had received out of Jesus was I'm not talking about spirit alone upon them. That came at Pentecost. Do you understand what I mean? I don't mean just the spirit upon them. I'm talking about the name. Can you understand the difference between the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the name of the Holy Ghost? Someone can have the Holy Spirit, but not have the name of the Holy Ghost. When I say name of the Holy Ghost, you know what I mean? You're baptizing them in the name of the Father. Name of the Son, Matthew chapter 28, and then the name of the Word, Holy Spirit. And those names are the three baptisms, which is so. Baptism means immersion. Immersion means fullness. Completely immersed. To be completely immersed means to be completely full. Praise God. So there are three names which someone must be baptized into. Immersed into the first, the name of the Holy Ghost, the name of what? Son, and the name of who? Of the Father. Amen. So the apostles initially had the, that name, the name of the Holy Ghost. And then God had to raise 
Saul of Tarsus encountered him and then praised God. Thank you, Jesus. Say, when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, right, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, and reveal his son in me, right, that I did not what? I conferred not with what? Flesh and blood. Amen. Then he began to speak about how the Lord took him into Arabia for some time, and he went there. Praise God. And the Lord Jesus. So Saul of Tarsus was encountered. He, he had an encounter, not with scriptures. Amen. It wasn't, he didn't have an encounter just with scriptures. He had encounter with person, with the person of Jesus. Like Jesus had to come to him on the way to Damascus. And then that was not the only time he was with him there. Then he, he, he took him away for some time. And Jesus was with him constantly. Because when Jesus came and wrote to Damascus, Jesus told him that I will keep appearing to you. And I will be. So Jesus must have done that. Do you agree with me? Do you get what I'm saying? So that so Saul, in order to bring, I'm going somewhere. Can you bear with me? <laughs> Praise God. How many of you don't like this long journey? You want to just arrive quickly at the destination. Don't worry. Because I'm saying everything you all know. So you'll be like, ah, oh, Pastor Jeff, where are you going to? Let's get it. But it's good. <laughs> praise the Lord. So Jesus, um, um, praise the Lord. Um, Paul encountered Jesus right, personally. So that was, the, that was the access, the first time that the gospel of Christ ever came into the earth. The first person who brought the gospel of Christ and who taught Christ was Jesus himself. All right, Jesus himself was the first person that began to teach the gospel of Christ. He, he taught the gospel of Christ. They didn't know the gospel of Christ. The disciples didn't know the gospel of Christ. They didn't know it. So I went and, but he went to Paul personally. So what was Jesus doing to Paul? It's very clear that Jesus found the necessity that he had to impart person. In other words, in order to give a piece, he had to give, he had to take out of himself. He didn't say to Paul, now I've encountered you, you are born again. After you meet Ananias, your eyes open everything. Sit down in your room, lock yourself for like two years and just be reading the law and the prophet. Through that method, you will understand Christ. If Jesus did that, Paul would never understand Christ. Even though he will have the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He will have the, so the, the Holy Spirit being around alone is not enough to, to, to give the persons, the nature of the persons of Christ and God. For someone to receive those natures, they must come in contact with somebody who has been sent. This is a truth. Some people can wrestle with this truth. They fight with it for their whole life till they die and they, they remain who they are. And they never change. Any, any person who wrestles with this truth will never change. It's a, a, a truth that is, and it's very obvious in the scripture. But it's, it's, it's obvious, but it can be difficult for a soul to see it and accept it and, and, and settle with it. Why? Because of how loud 
the desire to do your one's own thing is compared to the way that has been set in the scriptures by God. Praise God. In the concept of having a sent one, check it from Genesis chapter 1 to the end of the Bible. You see it all true. Never broken. Never, God never did anybody without send, anything in the scripture without sending, sending somebody. Tell me anything that God did in the Bible without sending somebody, without raising somebody. God never came to do anything on the earth without sending or without raising somebody and sending them on his, on his behalf, on his behalf. So the way men will, will ever, any person who will ever have a real dealing with God will, have, will come into dealing with God and be through someone who God has sent to them to bring them, give them access into that dealing with God. The same concept in the fullness of the revelation, in the book of Revelation. How did the book of Revelation start? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And then he sent it and signified it white through his servant, what? John, who bore record and of all the things that he saw. Are you seeing that? Send it and signify it through his angel unto his servant, John. Praise the Lord. You understand that, that concept? Amen. So Jesus had to personally come because what he was telling, teaching Paul was he wasn't, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just about knowing scripture. The only way that the Christ nature can, can come to a person is that the person must be able to read the epistle. In, you must read the epistle in a person. The purpose of the scripture is to help you able to read the epistles. The, the scripture is the education of the mind so that you can read the word, the epistles. But that epistle has to be manifestly declared according to this Second Corinthians chapter 3, it has to be manifestly what declared, amen. amen. So he says that for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by what? By us. So what we actually ministered is, a, is actually you. You are the ministry that we have done because you are able to manifestly declare the message which was what? Giving, which was given to us. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Do you agree with me? <laughs> Does anybody not understand what I'm trying to say? No? Okay. Praise the Lord. So it's very clear that Christ was the person who ministered. He ministered it to Paul. He taught him through his own person. And then also using the scriptures, he taught that to Paul. And then Paul was then sent as the apostle. You see many places in the scripture Paul wrote about the, the, the apostleship which he had received, the commission which, which he had received. Praise the Lord. Amen. So that thing was 
a special dealing. Now let's, let's read this place here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So it says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and what? Read of what? Of all men. Known and read of what? All men. Known and read of all men. Amen. Amen. Now, when I'm talking about the, the reading of the learning of these things, person, now, it's very clear that when the Lord was, bring, was bringing Paul, Paul into this, Jesus Christ came by himself. But you now discover that after that season, Jesus Christ did not come by himself again. But you said that there are other ways that Jesus can come. One of the primary ways that Jesus can do that, to bring a representation of his person, is through his angel. Amen. I want to just teach us some things today. So the Lord will help us. It's through what? His what? Through his angel. You see, John, for example, John was, was to receive revelation that is at a higher level. That, than Paul received. But for John to receive that revelation, he also needed to have a personal ministry of some sort. But this time, Jesus Christ did that, but he also did it through his angel. One of the main purpose of angels is to bring the representation of persons. The word angel means messenger. Messenger. The messenger is also a sent one. So every angel is an apostle. <laughs> Do you agree with that? That every angel is what? Is an apostle. So when, you know, they give some apostles, but in heaven they are all apostles. <laughs> right? They are apostles of something. Praise God. So every angel, so he said he sent it and signified it, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, by his angel unto what? Are you seeing that personal aspect? So you mean the revelation of Jesus Christ when he came to John, it wasn't just saying, hey, John, go and read that book there, that's it. And study, go and study the Bible in, in Patmos. John was in Patmos for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the last day. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then I saw a door open in heaven. And I heard a voice, come up hither. And then he began to see. And from there, he came in contact with the angel of Jesus. That same angel which later in, in the chapter, you see, he said, the angel which showed me these things. The angel which showed me these things. He began to say that throughout the book of, of Revelation. Are you seeing that thing? So it's very clear that an angel, so that's what you will see with, with apostles, with apostles. Now, when you say, you say, when you say present day apostles of Jesus Christ, a present day apostle of Jesus Christ, is, is not somebody who just studied the scriptures and just got a revelation of scripture. Because there are things that God cannot just communicate that way. God cannot just what? God cannot just communicate what? That way. There are, it's not, not because he doesn't want to. There are just things can't just be communicated that way. So you find that when, if you have an apostle, right, of the New Testament, which is the apostle of Christ, 
an apostle of God, amen, you will find that it's either there's some kind of personal dealing with Jesus. Do you agree with that? Or with his angel. Either with Jesus, like Paul had, or with who? His angel, like John had. That, those things are the mark of an apostle. If somebody come and tell you that I'm an apostle and I have not met Jesus, <laughs> I, it's just, I just read some things and thereby I have received an apostolic. So it's, not, it's not right. It's not correct. An apostle has met Jesus, either personally. P- personally, a lot of times the Lord Jesus will come personally. And, and most times the Lord Jesus is the one who will introduce to his, someone to his angel. And say, and Lord Jesus did that for through Kenneth Hagin yes. as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe Hagin was an apostle. Yes. He was the apostle of faith. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so you see such things. That's the, that's the mark of an apostle. An apostle is, a, is, a, is someone who is sent personally from Jesus. Do you agree with that? Who is, who is what? Sent what? He actually has been sent by Jesus to release things what? upon what? Upon the earth. Amen. Is there some understanding here? Okay. Now, in, in, in this 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, it says that, Yeah, I put so written in our hearts, known and read of what? All men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the word spirit of who? Of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of what? Of the heart. That's, that's one of the, the mark of an apostle. Let me show you the mark of an apostle. The mark of an apostle is the ability to the ability to, to establish a foreign kind of life upon the earth. When I say foreign, I mean the life which is in which God and his Christ has, a way of life which they have, their own kind of life. The mark of an apostle is the grace to be able to, to establish that kind of life and to make men able to live that kind of life upon the earth. Just teaching grace alone is not able to do that. Teaching grace can make people know about it, but they will still be doing their own things, even though they carry information about something in their, in their mind. But the mark of apostolic grace is, is the ability to, wear, to do what? Those who are sent... The, the mark of those who are sent is the ability to, to, is the ability to, what the apostle, they are apostle in life. It's an apostle, it's apostleship, is grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. It's not grace and apostleship for knowledge or revelation of the faith. That's part of it. But actually, Paul's grace and apostleship, according to Romans chapter 1, let's quickly read that. Amen. We're coming back here. Praise God. Romans chapter 1. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. Praise God. Romans chapter 1, you see verse 1, it says, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. 
and then separated unto what? The gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So they are promised in the Holy Scriptures, but then they have to, be, to call an apostle concerning that thing, amen. And they separated the apostle for that purpose. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, praise God, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for what? For obedience to the faith among all what nations for his name. Praise God. So you see this obedience to the faith is the word obey. How do you obey faith? Obedience to the faith means actually the establishment of the life of the faith. Do you agree with me? How do you know a people who are obeying faith? Is that they are living the life which that faith speaks concerning. You know, later in this verse, down chapter 17, no, 18, say, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it means faith is an instrument of living. So when he spoke about obedience to the faith, he's just talking about the establishment of the life of, of that faith. Do you understand that? Uh-huh. So, so to apostolic ministry is very, very key. That's one thing that should be established in everybody's heart. The apostolic ministry is, without apostolic ministry, there will not be, there will not be journey in the life which God wants to give to his people. Praise the Lord. Uh, now, in verse 6, let's see, of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 6, it says that who also had made us able ministers of the what? New Testament. So they are made able ministers of the New Testament. But who are able ministers of the New Testament? They are ministers who minister not the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kill it, but the ministry, but the Spirit give it life. Am I saying something to you? No. You ask me, who is a minister of the Spirit? Is a, is a minister of the Spirit somebody who Holy Ghost shows up when he's ministering? Is that, is that the meaning of a minister of the Spirit? That anytime he just holds the mic, praise the Lord. What happened? <laughs> eh? Holy Spirit. And thank God for that. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> praise God. A minister of the gospel, when he says praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit should be around. Don't you agree with that? <laughs> Amen. But that is not what makes somebody a minister of the Spirit. Someone can be able to connect the Holy Ghost and use the Holy Ghost in, in ministry on the earth, but not be a minister of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? According to what they are talking about here, what they're actually seeing, a minister of the Spirit, according to the knowledge they are passing across here, that someone can, can have manifestation of the Spirit in their ministry, 
including maybe gifts of the Spirit in operation, and all of those things are going on. And there's a, a presence of the Holy Ghost, maybe their meetings or their ministry. Someone can have all those things in place, but that person might not be a minister of the Spirit. Such a person might be a minister of the letter. With, you, don't, you don't believe that? You don't believe that with so much spirit around, Holy Ghost around, the ministration of letter can be, con, can be going on. Yeah, the ministration of the letter can be going on even with the presence of the, the Holy Spirit present. Because when the Holy Spirit is around, there are many things he can do. The Holy Spirit can just be there and just be saying, I'll just be healing your sick. Anybody who is sick, I'll just be healing them. You see, there were seasons of that upon the earth. Well, healing waves, all kinds of. You see, guys who are not even, who don't even know, don't even know the Bible at all, just get born again, lay hands on them before you know they too can go and they have healing anointing. There were seasons like that in the church, but such a person is he a minister of the Spirit? He's not a minister of the Spirit. If he if he tries to minister, most likely he will be ministering death and ministering the letter. What I mean is that if he tries to tamper with the soul of men. Not everybody is authorized to tamper with the souls of men. And some people can try and do it with strong head when they've not been sent to do that. Yeah, that, that has happened. That has happened. There are ministers of the gospel in the past that there's a particular minister who began to veer into some things that the Lord said, look, you're not called for this thing. You are, you are a healing minister. Just minister healing and go. He decided to start teaching some things by force. He wanted to, and then the Lord had to move him out of the way, not to spoil things. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Amen. Amen. So the, the work of tampering, of altering soul by knowledge is something that is a, is a special work that heaven has to raise men. Because why must heaven raise men? Because you can't just build men anyhow. There's actually a pattern. The pattern is with the owner of the life. The one who created men and who knows what they should become. He is the one who must send people who he has also imparted with that pattern of development to be able to raise what people after that. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You realize that it's not every type of ministration in the church or in the body of Christ Whose goal is the development of the soul? It's not every ministry. The primary purpose of the, of the milk of the world, for example, is not to develop the soul of men. The main reason for the milk of the soul is to make the person's heart conducive for development of the soul. The milk of the world is to prepare the, the, the heart for, when I say development, development means to actually begin to to build you up according to the pattern. According to what? The pattern which God has in mind or in the heart, in his heart, for every soul to be conformed into. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, so when you say the ministration of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, how you can tell ministry of the Spirit is going on is, is a ministry that can give life, not just any kind of life, the ministry that can give the life of Christ yes. and the ministry that can give the life of God. Any ministry that, is not, that cannot get those things done 
is not called the ministration of what? Of the Spirit. Or the ministry of what? The Spirit. So it's very clear that for, for a person to be made a minister of the New Testament, he must not be a minister of the letter. He must be a what? A minister of the word, a minister of the Spirit. So, it's, so the purpose of the ministry of the Spirit is to, is to give the New Testament, to give the word, the New Testament, to give the New Testament to the soul. The New Testament, the giving of the New Testament to the soul is what the purpose of the ministry of what? Of the Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, if of all the gifts in the, in the, of, that Jesus gave in Ephesians chapter 4, where he said that he who ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for the word, for the perfecting of the saints. For the, what? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing the reason for those gifts? They are to build up. Right. For to build up, for to build up. He gave gifts to men for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's the next thing, right? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and then for, and then for the edifying of the body. So the work of the ministry is the edifying of what? Of the body of Christ. Praise God. So that work, so it's very clear that the gifts given to men, praise the Lord, is given to them for the work of the ministry. Now, that work of the ministry is what he's talking about here, verse 6. Giving, making able. Verse 6, who has made us able ministers. The word able means equipped ministers. Those who have been developed for to do what? That work of building up or creating an edifice. So all of the fivefold ministry, right? The apostle, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the what? Evangelists. They are all participators in that work of what? Of building up. But then there is another wisdom concerning the flow of the materials for building is that the way each of them uses and has access to the materials of building are not, is, are not the same. That's the point I'm trying to make to, make to you. Praise God. When I say, what are the materials of building? You have to talk about the pattern. That's the main thing concerning building. The pattern, the pattern, the pattern, the pattern. The knowing of the pattern. Amen. And 
the office upon which the pattern, the, the boarding upon finding the pattern for those buildings they mentioned, the office out of those ones that have to do with pattern. There are many two, the apostle and the prophetic. They are the ministry of the pattern. Praise God. They are the what? The ministry. They have to do with the pattern. The, other, the others have to do with both usage of the pattern. Right? Usage of the pattern and getting men to partake of the pattern, of the, of the ministry of that pattern. So the pastor and the apostle and the the pastor and the, and the teacher, their main job, they are the main users of the materials. Praise God. They are the users of what? The materials which are given. They are the users of what? The materials which are given. According to the blueprint which is also given, they use that to be able to build well. The daily work of building. The tedious work of building. That's, what, that's the job of a pastor. The tedious work of laying, okay, building, 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 according to the pattern. Some things that shouldn't be there, he removes them, moves them out. He's constantly checking, constantly around the building and watching the building. Same thing with the teacher. The teacher also and the pastor, they are what? They are constantly, they are what? They are building what? Together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Am I making sense to you? The pastor, who is the pastor? Let me talk a little bit about the pastor. The pastor is the, the pastor is the connect, the connection of the, of the flock to the heart of Jesus. The, the pastor is who? Is the connection of who? Of the flock to who? To the heart. To the heart of Jesus. The, what does that mean? It means that the past, through the pastor, the, the, the sheep should feel the, sheep, the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is the Lord. Do you agree with that? He's, he's, as he's building, because without pastoral grace, without pastoral grace, the soul, the soul can, might not receive the, will not receive, it's hard for the soul to receive the nurturing that it takes. Nurturing has to do with, is an attitude surrounding anything that you want to grow. There's an attitude which you, which you must surround anything. If you want something to grow, there's a kind of attitude you must surround it with. It's the attitude of care. It's called husbandry. The, the nature of the husbandry nature is that application of care. They must, there's a feeling concerning the heart of the, of the Lord Jesus that the soul must be feeling constantly. So a, a, a pastor is a stature framed to, to, is framed into the shape of the heart of Jesus to touch the soul, to, to, to make, to, to give that connection of the shepherding nature, the, the nature of Jesus 
as a shepherd. Because souls should be surrounded by that while they are building. Otherwise, if they are not surrounded by that, they can easily, one day they will just run away. One day, they won't see the point of building anything. They won't see any reason why anything needs to be built in them. They won't see why, because they've lost touch. They've lost touch with the heart of who? Of the shepherd. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So the, the, the job of the pastor is to do the, 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 the proximal aspect. When I, I, I don't know if that's the right word. But the aspect of the building that must be done in proximity. Do you understand what that means? What it means is that there must, there's a part that must be done in closeness. You can't do it from afar. If you dare try it from afar, the sheep will run away and leave you. Because in that pastoring, there are some hard things that might need to be broken and chiseled out. But as it's being chiseled, it cannot, to make the soul stay there to endure such a walk, there must be a feeling about the heart of the shepherd. There must be the, the, the work of the pastoral office is to surround the soul with that environment for, to grow. Surround the soul with that, the care and the nurturing kind of attitude that will support it, it, that will support it because it's not, not just about the pattern when it comes to pastoring. It's not just about the pattern or the material. It's also about the incentive. The pastor is, is a, along with his work in building, is also a minister of incentive. What's the incentive? It's the feeling. It's the feeling of the word, of the, of the shepherd. The feeling the shepherd has towards the sheep, there's something about that feeling. The sheep can feel it when they're when they around the shepherd. When the shepherd carries the sheep into his bosom, the sheep can what? Feel. There's something the sheep can feel. So that's who a pastor is. Now, that is a great grace. Great grace. Don't dare try it if they haven't <laughs> come to you. If they, if they didn't, you know how they give, you say they give, give gifts unto men. If you didn't receive that, that gift, don't ever, because people don't know what it is. That's why you, you want to just be a pastor. If you know what a pastor is. First of all, you must be completely dead. That's not even negotiable. You, it must be that when you are come close to a sheep, they never feel you. They feel Jesus. That's your job. They must, you must be a transparent carrier of the heart of Jesus towards the sheep. So imagine how, how dead he must be to, to do that kind of job. Now, they must never be feeling your presence. They must feel the care of Jesus, the care of the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Do you understand that? So that's why, that's, why, that's why also it's foolish for any soul to think you can do without pastoral ministry. It means you're, <laughs> it means you're nowhere. You might feel, oh, you're so, because you're seeing the pattern, the pattern. Wow, let's go. We are going for the pattern. You don't know that. One day you can get tired of the pattern. You need someone to rub your head one day and say, look, don't worry. That's a pastor. It will make you feel why this pattern. It will make you feel how it is. In, in Jesus' heart for you to be built up. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? 
And as he, and he's doing that, he's close. Because he is close, he's able to do very, very specific and precise work in terms of building, using materials which have been provided. His primary job is not to go and bring the pattern from heaven or from the Lord or to download the pattern. That's not his job. That's the job of the apostle and the what? And the prophet. Praise God. But the pastoral ministry and then must work with the apostolic ministry. Yes, Do you agree with that? Yes, sir. Do you believe that? Yes, Why is that? Because if, if the pastoral ministry has no access to apostolic materials, what will happen? The building site will become an amusement ground or a, we can be, maybe after a while, maybe a marketplace or diff, all kinds of things later will begin to happen there that has nothing to do with what God wants to build. Do you understand what I mean? It can become an amusement ground. If not that, it can be a party center or it can be a what? It can be <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you say? Treat my butter. Amen. There's, there are all kinds of things that that place can become. We see pattern. Pattern is important. Pattern is what brings the is what is the point. It's what gives meaning. It's what gives you direction. How many Christians are in the world without direction? No direction. No direction concerning, ah, you know that sense that, ah, somebody actually created me and actually saved me. Okay, what is it that is thinking concerning me? <laughs> you know, we just, a lot of Christians are just left to their own whims and caprices and just whatever thought occurred to them, they drive and they, they move. And it's why lack of pattern, the pattern, lack of what? pattern. Praise God. So the one thing the Lord is bringing back to the earth strongly, of course, the Lord wants to restore in a very very great, powerful measure, the fivefold. Not just one aspect, all the ministries upon the earth working together, working together. For no other reason, just for what God wants to produce out of the souls of men. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen and it's already happening. It's already happening upon the earth. Those, those, each of the, the, the distribution of those graces, they're actually, they actually a warfare against Satan. They're actually a warfare against Satan. Each, because each of them are bringing their own sword from different angles. They are, they are, they are, they are stretch, doing their own thing. Because the, what needs to be done in a soul, you need to understand how God wants to save a soul. To what point? Hebrew call it to be saved to the uttermost. He who gave the gifts to men, he has a, he has a, he has a job which is which his God gave him to do, and his God called him and made him an high priest. So we have a merciful and faithful what high priest is merciful. 
It's not just merciful, faithful. That word faithful there, it doesn't just mean that um, faithful, say faithful. faithful. The word faithful is heavy. It means many things. The actual accurate word, the meaning of the word faithful means he who, who gets it done. Yes, sir. To get it done, there are many things that must be there. It means, of course, you must, you must not just go home and sleep and f- forget about it. But it also means he has there's competence in faithfulness. That word faithful, it means that he, he's competent. He has the skill. So all those graces which he gave to men came out of his competency. You know, he, he wasn't God who came and gave graces to men. It's he who ascended on high and then gave gifts to men. So those gifts, or each, of the, or each aspect of the fivefold, are actually distribution of high priestly, high priestly capacity. It's out of the office of the high priest, which is the ultimate office yes, sir. that he distributed different offices onto, by, onto men. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Yes, Does that make sense to you? Yes, Aha. Amen. Well, this Second Corinthians chapter 3 is speaking mainly about that apostolic, that aspect of the, the apostolic ministry. Amen. Amen. You see, Paul said something, for example, that I planted Apollo's water and God gave the increase. Right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, the apostolic ministry, say apostolic ministry. Apostolic ministry is a ministry that has been given the, the mandate. There is a department in, when it comes to the, 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 think about the ministry, let's say, let's say ministry of transportation or whatever. There's an office inside the, the, that ministry to build men that, that deals with news. News means new things. Or it's actually the department of the authority of the gospel. The gospel means good news. Is according to the news that comes out. Where's the news coming from? It's news concerning the nature of Christ and the nature of God. Praise God. That needs to come to souls. Do you agree with that? That needs to what? Come to what? That needs to come to souls. So the gospel separated unto the gospel of God, according to as we just read in the book of Romans, chapter, chapter 1, right? Later in verse 16, it said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe, to the Jew and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from what? From faith. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written that the just shall live by faith. So it means that the purpose of the gospel is to cause living to occur. To, to cause what? Living to happen. The reason for the gospel is to make living happen. I've, I've explained what that living is. Amen. So the living, when you say living, living is talking about the establishment of a kind of life. The establishment of a kind of life. There will be no establishment of God's life on the earth without the gospel of that life coming to the earth. Right? And there will be no establishment of that life because that life is news. It's news. It's actually completely new. It's new. Amen. Now, so that, that life is um, the, the main entrance, the main purpose of the apostolic ministry is to bring about the, is, a, is to bring about the, the news of the life. To bring about, another for news is tidings. So news and tidings are not just information. They actually talk, they're actually the essence, the, the actual inward image of that life, which must be in men. If those, that image is not in men, that life will not appear upon the earth. Yes, do you get what I'm trying to say? The life will not do what? Will, do not, will not appear upon the earth if what? The, if the what? The image of that life is not written inside of, inside of men. Praise God. So it's very clear the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, say gospel, gospel. or you can call them the gospels, the two main gospels. There are two main gospels. They are the gospel of Christ and the gospel of God. In that chapter one, you see both of them there. He said, I'm separated unto the gospel of God, but there's a part of the gospel of God that's the gospel of Christ in verse 16. Praise God. So there are gospels. The gospels, the gospels are the news. Two new things that man must know. The first new thing is the nature of Christ, and the second new thing is the nature of man. And each of those natures are summaries of components of new things. Am I making sense to you? Are you seeing those two things? Outside those things, there's nothing new. We've, we've journeyed to get to this place to realize that outside, those are the only two things, the only new things, the only things that God has that he wants to bring to man that is new. There are two natures. The nature of Christ and then the, the nature of God himself. Praise God. So those two things, two gospels, are what are you find inside the New Testament so the New Testament is a container of two Gospels. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> the, the New Testament is what? A of two Gospels. Or two Gospels, two images, two things that the Lord wants to give. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 So it says, verse 6, Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of what? Of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but what? The Spirit giveth life. Now, so the New Testament, praise God, say New Testament. New Testament. 
the New Testament, the fullness of the ministry of the New Testament is when is as a soul is receiving the New Testament, a soul, the only way you can receive New Testament is to make covenant. Right? Now, the purpose of the ministry of the Spirit is to help men to make covenants. That's the, the, the ministry. When you say someone is ministering, the minister of the Spirit is that when he's ministering to, to men, they are able to make covenants. Now, if ministration happens and is unable to make men make covenant, not any kind of covenant, but covenant that has to do with the content of the testimony, then that ministry is below the ministration of what? Of the Spirit. Because the, the New Testament is the testament, the details concerning the covenants which the hearts of men ought to make. And it's in making covenants, praise the Lord, in doing what? In making covenant that a soul comes into the life. Do you agree with me? In making every life that you live is an expression of a covenant that you have made. Every expression of life that you, a person has is actually the expression of a covenant. So when, when he's saying here that you are a piece of that, you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, it means that you are actually manifesting the life of the covenant. You are manifesting the life of what? Of the covenant. Do you agree with me? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, covenant, as well, you, you can link covenant and blood. Right? In the scripture, the way of, of covenant is through blood, actually, because blood is a symbol of life. Do you agree? When you say the, the life, the life of the flesh is in the blood, means the life of anything is actually in the blood. And of course, what is in the blood is information concerning the blood is the, the blood are the covenants that are that's flowing in the inward streams of an entity the, the covenant that's flowing with what in the what the inward streams of an entity that and that covenant when you now read the blood you now see ah this blood has testament the genes are the testament the genes inside the blood Towards the testament, the details of the life. So the gene in the blood is what the person is living out. So the person who is living is a summation of gene. Nobody is in disagreement with their genes. Right? You're not in that. Nobody's in disagreement with their genes. You can't disagree with your genes because your genes, everything you do is because your genes allow you to do it. Amen? If your gene doesn't permit you to run, for, to run 40 kilometers an hour, speed, there's nothing you can do. You just cannot do it. <coughs> it's what your gene permits you to do. If your gene doesn't permit you to jump as high as how many feet, praise the Lord, your gene, there's nothing you can do. 
So the gene is what is the, is the code, is the constraint for life. Right? The, every life that is lived out is according to what is written within, the code on the inside of the person. Now, with the body, you can now look at the soul in that same light. That's the same thing with the soul. The way the body has blood. She, you know when they see the blood of Jesus? He's not talking about the blood of his body. It's the blood of his soul. I don't know if you believe that one. Some of you don't agree with me. Are you okay? Yes, that the blood that, is, that redeems you is not the blood of Jesus' body. Because yes. if it's the body, have you touched it? Have you seen it? Did you, do, you have, do you have a sample of the blood? And, how would you, and even if you, let's say you have a sample of the blood of Jesus, how do you apply it to your soul? Do you know how to apply a physical blood to your soul? The best you can do is rub it on your body like this and say, ah, the blood of Jesus, has, or drink it or something. But even when you drink it, it's not going inside your soul. It's going inside your tummy after a while. You, you know what I mean? Aha. Uh-huh. So, so do you agree with me? So it's very clear that soul, of course, has blood. Do you agree? The blood, the blood of the soul, right, is, is talking about the inward stream of all the things that soul agrees with. All the things that the soul agrees with. Is, that's the, the blood of the soul. So the blood of Jesus' soul are all the covenants inside his soul. It means all the things that he agrees with on the inside of his soul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That means it wasn't the physical blood of Jesus that Jesus took into heaven. Yes, sir. To sprinkle on the sprinkle everywhere. Do you agree? I don't think he was still bleeding when he resurrected. If he was, they would have said it. That, in fact, when he saw him, they saw maybe what he told, maybe what he would have told Thomas is, can you just touch the blood and... But I'm sure maybe his bleeding would have stopped. So it wasn't physical blood. The blood which he carried, the way that blood cannot, cannot be offered, it's not a physical blood that you apply. The way Jesus applied the blood was through his spirit, according to Hebrews chapter, 11, chapter 9. He said, this is the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, right, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified for the purifying of the flesh. The blood of bulls and goats, purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered of himself to God without spot and blemish? So that blood of Jesus is talking about his spiritual blood. His spiritual blood means the, the spiritual mixture of covenants. All the things that they got him to agree to while they were teaching him on the earth. Jesus, have you agreed to this one now? All these things that we just manifested to you, have you agreed to them? Jesus was agreeing. Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Things that he was being shown, things both through the the scripture to the law and the prophet. Just things. 
while Jesus was, might have been reading Moses, he will be seeing things to agree to while he's reading Moses. He's reading about why Jesus, you know, Jesus read about the tabernacle. He read about the instruction when God was talking to Moses. I was saying, okay, build this, the most holy place, 20 cubit long and all of that. Jesus was reading those things. When Jesus was reading about the ordinances of service, about the courts, how you separate the courts, that the court must be different from the sanctuary, different from the most holy, learning about the patterns of the, of the, of the, of the tabernacle. And all, all of those things were instructions to him. Do you agree with, do you, do you believe there are, there are agreements to be had concerning those things? Do you get that? So, so the, main, the main reason purpose of apostolic ministry is to, to bring the, the news of new, new agreement. New agreement. See, I'm talking about when I say agreement, agreement, agreement. It's not agreement to things that, that pertain to your own life. Pertaining to your what? Your soul doesn't need to agree to natural things. It's not really about natural. It's not really about not just natural. It's not natural kind of agreement. If the Lord, in the process of your someone's school, spiritual school, gives you a dealing, okay, forgive this person. And then you now say, okay, I agree, I will forgive. It's not just that saying I agree to forgive. That's not the agreement I'm talking about. Because one believer can agree and forgive. Someone who is not born again can. When they beg him, please, ah, ah, now, ah, how long will you hold this thing? Say, okay, no, don't worry. Okay, let, let it go. An unbeliever who is dead in his spirit, he can, he, can for, he can do that. So it's not really about just the act of forgiveness. It's that true forgiving. Your soul, your soul in that act of forgiving, the power behind the forgiveness is an agreement to a pattern of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's possible that somebody, so you can get somebody to forgive somebody else without using this pattern. Or you can get someone to forgive with the pattern. It's not the same. The impact will be different. Just saying, ah, don't be bad now. Ah, how long will you hold somebody down? Please just forgive this person. Ah, okay, okay. Now, what that person might consider might be different. Oh, let me forgive because, well, if I forgive now, just have peace of mind, you know. So the, the, the power behind that forgiveness is, to, is this peace of mind. That is not, that, that itself is not the blood of Christ, like you said. It's not from, the power behind that act of forgiveness is not from. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when I'm talking about pattern, I'm not talking about outward righteousness, which religions have. Like the, some of you, you don't, in terms of discipline of life and all of those things, you can't compete with a, yeah, that may be a Buddhist or a Hindu or some of those people, those Eastern guys. You know that outward conduct? That that's not where Christianity is. If, it's, if that's the thing, many other religions will beat us. Yes, sir. Because Christians, are the, some of them are the worst rascals in terms of 
just how a nice person <laughs> should be. <laughs> That, that even when it came to, when it comes to some of the, the clear instructions of scripture, of give arms, don't, when your brother come and ask you for something, don't say come back tomorrow. If you have it, give him tonight. You know what I mean? Those simple things. If someone slaps you on one side, turn the other side. Now, someone reading that now, just say, okay, I will begin to turn the other side, just, by, just like that, without, some, without being, without administration of the spirit. Is not tantamount to righteousness. Doing that is not, you know what I'm saying? A lot of other religions people, when it comes to, if you want to go, okay, let's go verse by verse. Let's go from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, from chapter 1, verse 1 of Matthew. Let's begin to mark out all the things Jesus said you should do expressly. When you count them, if you want to do a survey, you may find that many people from other religions do them more than Christians. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But what they are doing is letter that cannot give life. <laughs> you get? But somebody else who is privy to, who has access to the testament, when you see a person of the testament doing those things, he, can, he, will be, he might be doing the same thing, but he's not equal in the spirit to a man who is doing it religiously. That's why God doesn't look on the outward. Because anybody who looks there, you will miss it. When you look at the outward, you can say a Hindu man is more righteous than a Christian. Because look, all these things Jesus said, you're not even doing them. So he's not just on the outward side. He's talking about what is driving. That's why don't let the devil ever cheat you. Ah, all this big, big revelation. Ah, ah, leave all these things. The seals, the book, leave that. Just tell me what to do. Me, I'm even nicer than you that's even sharing your big revelation. You've missed the point. May you never carry righteousness and then meet Jesus and then Jesus will tell you, look, I never knew you. All these things you are doing, they were never from me. Why? Because the day when you should have heard the pattern, you, 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 were, not, you were not interested in the pattern. You say it's too tedious. Ah, why is this? Why does this sound so too... Uh, it's, those are not necessary. Just be a nice person. I get to me. If you refuse the pattern, he will refuse you. I don't know if you're trying to get what I'm, tra- what I'm saying, what I'm saying to you tonight. In this understanding I'm sharing with you, that is the reason why one must be faithful with revelation knowledge. Don't try and just summarize and say, these things are not applicable to my life. They are not necessary to me. These are just superfluous, deep things, unnecessarily deep things. It's because you are calculating righteousness as just specific deeds that appeal to your own sense of what is right. So ministry of New Testament is about pattern. It's about what? It's about pattern. It's about pattern. It's not about acquiring morality. 
Because God has refused and will continue to refuse many moral men. See, all, their, all your righteousness are like filthy rags. They are filthy, they smell. Filthy rags before me. Praise God. They are like what? They are like filthy rags. Praise God. But the only kind of righteousness that smells good to God is the one that is according, breathed out of what? The ministration of what? The ministration of the Spirit. You know what you now realize that they actually, there are many, when it comes to holiness of God, there are many, many things about God's holiness that you can't, just, you can't even practice in this world. Why? Because this world is not framed to even have a space. The world doesn't even know what those things are. Some of the, the, thing, the righteousness of blessings of God, there are no words even in this life for them. No, in other words, we don't have the concept. Do you get what I mean? So God is not building you for, like we were talking about last on Saturday, the development that's going in, you keep that in mind. They're not developing you for this fallen present world. If you think that way, you're going to miss it. And then you will count many things as unnecessary. Don't judge what you need for the world you are going based on the present world. Because if you do, you will, you will leave many things as irrelevant. Why, why would you call them irrelevant? Because all the men around you are not pursuing them. You feel like, ah, this thing is so important. Why is everybody not going after it? You know? <laughs> but everybody might not, will not go after it. You know, it's very simple because he said that straight is the way, narrow is the gate that leadeth to life. And there are few that go there back. You can never change that equation no matter what you, how you, how you are angry. God, let the whole world now be or coming. Why can't everybody just come to understand this thing that you're talking about? How many, sir? Few. 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 But, uh, but rather, the, the way that leads to destruction, how, how is it? Is a what? Is a Broadway. <laughs> and there are many that go there back. Is a very now what makes it broad? When you say broad, what does it mean of broad? Broad. Broad means what? Huh? That's the nature of the nature of destruction is that it's broad. The nature of destruction and death is that it's broad. It's broad. The way that leads to life is narrow. You can never change the DNA of those two parts. They can never change. There will never be a time where the way that leads to life will appear broad to you. It means that for you to be going there, you must have, they must have caught t- you. You must have, you must have gone through, things must have been trimmed out of your person. You can't carry all your things. It just will not fit. So in that way, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leaded to what, that leaded to life. 
So when you say something is narrow, it means that, it means that, you know, praise God. To find it is not broad. So it means a heart that is, that has a broad disposition will, you will, will not have the kind of um, soul, I don't want to call it his tenacity. There's just an attitude of a person who finds the way to life. If a soul has a, a broad tendency that if you have a heart that you feel like you want to press, you want anything to be acceptable. In other words, you are not willing to trim down things. You want to just push to God. Nobody can get to push to God like that. You know, that's the, this heresy of once saved, forever saved kind of doctrine. You know, that's a tongue of, a broad, of the Broadway. It doesn't, see, anything that doesn't sound narrow is not of God. Anything that doesn't sound narrow is not of God. If it sounds broad, it's going to, to destruction because God is not like that. Once and forever, say, if you are born again, you can't do, don't have to do anything. Whatever you do is okay. God just loves you. Why God has someone? No, 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 no. That's a, that's a broad tongue. It's a tongue that doesn't want to change anything. Doesn't want to, it wants to go as he is. You will not find God there. But when you are, when, when you are going towards God, it's about, say, pattern. 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 There's a way the soul must be. There is a degree of um, carefulness. No, how do you find pattern, sir? Pattern. How do you? They say, they say there's a pattern here. Hmm. How do we get the pattern? Means you must look, look again, keep looking, keep looking, then look, look very well, keep looking and looking and looking. That looking and looking, they are cutting things down. Yes, sir. Things are happening. To the soul. To make why? Because pattern has to do with accuracy. Yes. They want the soul to arrive at the accuracy. There's something about God's life. It's an accurate life. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine a life that all the with Satan with all his prowess and wisdom cannot stumble into. A life that is just there is in the spirit. Hell cannot, cannot rise up to it. No matter how, I know that it's not that they don't want it. Satan actually wants it, but he can't have it. The moment he exalted himself, he negated himself from the path of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? Amen. So, this, the ministry of the New Testament... Praise the Lord. The, the, the ministry of the New Testament is, um, is the ministry that can, is the ministry of all the, like I said, it's all the agreements, right? It's all the things that his soul, all the covenant that his soul needs to what, agree to to be able to get to God. So we say, okay, I'm now in agreement. I'm now in agreement with God. And then there's, also, there's something about the representation of 
of those things is that God decided that he will do it metaphorically and in the metaphors concerning it, the agreement can be made. Amen. For example, let's say marriage, for example. In fulfilling marriage, physically, marrying a man, marrying a woman, if he can do it well by the Spirit, he will come into the mystery that joins Christ and his church. The Paul said that clearly, right? He was speaking concerning marriage in Ephesians. He said, I speak concerning the mystery even a mystery concerning Christ and his church. So that's one, one clear way. So in obeying marriage by the Spirit, you're just doing marriage by the Spirit. By the Spirit. There's something that that thing will be teaching the soul concerning union with another, which is the same kind of pattern for what they need to teach the soul concerning union with God. Praise the Lord. In loving your brother, how can you love God who you don't, who you don't see? If you have not loved your brother who you can see. So in loving your brother, there's actually training going on for loving God. Why? Because inside that love, there's something called that charity thing. It's actually, you are obeying a code, is a testament. So, really, when you are a soul is making covenant, so the obeying of a testament is the making of a covenant. The obeying of, say testament, is the word making of a covenant. So, the obeying the new covenant, the new testament, is making the new covenant. When you are obeying the new testament, you are doing what? You are you're making, you're making the new covenant. Amen. 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 Now, only this thing can take a soul to God. You see what I just have been describing? Aha. Uh -huh. People are asking, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? If you are asking that question with a broad mind, you will never find God. There are many questions, people have not asked that question with a narrow mind. What is a narrow mind? It's a, it's a mind that is willing to, to subject themselves to the, to the tedious pattern, the, the tedious way. That way of, means that it's not, ah, I'm here, I'm God. No, you will never get to God that way. You, no soul will ever know God that way. That, is, do you want to know God? Say, okay, there's actually, it's gradual. Oh. You have to be ready. How long will it take? 
Just approximate your whole lifetime. Just uh, give it up. You <laughs> <laughs> say, ah, what, what, my whole life? Yeah, that's just approximately, that's approximately the amount of time. You now say, what do you mean my whole lifetime? So, what about um, all the other things? You don't say that. They tell you know that when God calibrated how long man should live, he approximated it there. And after a man gets him, there's nothing else to do. That's what. That's the point of living, actually. That is so that man can sow his whole his whole lifetime to doing God. So you mean that the point of the purpose of life, you are born again to be making agreements with with the natures, with new natures that are not different from the natures which appear to men, which you find on the earth. I think this, this commitment to newness, this thing, we, we've been fighting it, running away from it in the church. But the church has to come and settle. Just a basic thing we need to agree to that is just that. Um... Our life is hid with Christ in God. You know that concept that our life is not here? We're reading the book of Colossians chapter 3 the other time. If you then be risen with Christ, therefore set your word affection on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things, not on the earth. For it says you are dead and your life is hid. Say your life is hid with Christ in, in God. Your life is hid with Christ in God. It's hid. Say hid. Has it ever occurred to you that your life is hid? Has it ever occurred to you before that your life is actually hid? So if your life is hid, then I mean, what it means to be a Christian is not, it's more than God bless me with job and God bless me with car and house. But there's nothing about that that is hid. Unbelievers also celebrate house and car and job and everything. If all your celebration in Christianity is everything that all unbeliever has, then there's nothing about you. It means you've not, touched, you've not touched your life. It means you've been doing many things, but you've not really touched your life yet. Your life is actually hid with, with Christ in God. It's hid with Christ in God. It's hid with Christ. So it means that that, that life that is hid has to be finding expression. It has to first of all be discovered. That's the purpose of the... So the, 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 the New Testament is a testimony of the hidden life. The New Testament is, what, is a testimony. is the testimony of the hidden life. It's the news, the gospel of the hidden life. Does anybody agree with me what I'm saying today? See, eh? many Christians, we have been living the world, the life of the world. We have been. If you want to argue, you can argue, but just be honest, please. Right? In other words, when I say the hope of a Christian, we will say, no, my hope is to go to heaven. That one is still a lie. 
even though heaven should not really be your hope, your hope should be, be to be conformed, to come into this life. But even those who still say their hope is in going to heaven, they are still lying. Most men, Christian, their hope is not going. They don't even think about heaven. They hardly think about heaven. Maybe a few times on Sunday morning, if the message of the pastor has to do with going to heaven, then that's the few times. Many Christians are not thinking about that. Or maybe sometimes in, a, in maybe one, two days in a week, maybe the thought will just flash in. Ah, there's heaven, no judgment day to come. Out. But it doesn't stay. For most people on the earth, what drives them is still what drives the normal man. Ah, my promotion at work, my savings, my investment, my children's schooling, how my husband will. Just check, check the heart. What is the heart full of? See, this is just the honest truth. Can, do, how many Christians today can open that Colossians chapter 3 and then read and they, and they see their self there? Ah, uh, this is true. Oh, yes, now. Uh, this is how our, our life is hid with Christ in God now. <laughs> how many Christians read that? And, yeah, that they feel they are, they are talking to, about them. If you then be risen, set, set your affections, set your mind. How many people are set with the, whose heart and affection are set? Above. Because many don't even know what is above. They don't know what is there at all. They have no clue. If you say, okay, set your mind on things above, okay, should I be thinking about, okay, cloud, sky, okay, okay, angel holding trumpet, chair, throne, gold. Those are the things that we, when they, when they, when they elaborate the believers, here's heaven. That's what they are thinking of. Most Christians just doesn't say things above. Things now, is things above, is it gold? Those are metaphors. So it's very clear that the things above are actually the nature of two beings. Two natures. The nature of Christ and God. Two natures. So the things above. So it's very it's very clear then that for a Christian, a Christian's affection should be set on those natures. On the nature of Christ and the nature of God. That's where the affection. What can make affection set on that? That can never happen except ministry on the earth. That is not shy about speaking concerning the word, the life that is hid with Christ in God. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the whole purpose of what? Of the, of the the ministry of the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Did I say something? Yes, sir. Okay, are you sure? Yes, Praise God. Now in, in the book of Isaiah, very quickly, that Isaiah 43, let's, let's now go back to um, the few minutes that we have. Glory to Jesus. Mm. 
Isaiah 43 verse 18, it says, it says, remember ye not the former things, right? Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a what? A new thing. Now, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. So, uh, first, I will do a new thing. Then, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? So, the Lord, will, God will first do a new thing, then he will cause it to spring forth. I will do a new thing. Now, what is the meaning of springing forth? Now, try and, try and open your heart, open your inward eyes, and see the, see the prophetic... Um, um, the way there's a, there's a prophetic image that is being painted here that involves different things. First of all, there's a concept of old and new that's put that aside, that's there. But then I want you to see also another message in there concerning concerning what is behind and what is ahead. So, apart from the message of old and new, he's also talking about the, almost like a journey, or a positional kind of concept to what he's saying. Now, former things, right? Paul used that same kind of language when he said, said that this one thing I do, what do I, what's the one thing he does? Which are what? Behind. And what does he do? Let's, let's quickly go there. Philippians. Sorry, what, what was, yeah? Philippians 3, verse, verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect. Now this is Paul at the point he was speaking. Because this perfection is far. At some point, Paul had received the image of Christ, which he became an apostle of but he was actually still journeying into the image of God. Yes. And he was operating as an apostle of Christ, while in himself, he was still in, in his journey towards the ultimate image, which was the image of God. Yes. In Galatians 2.20, he declared, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ liveth in me. What does that mean? He has attained that image. Can you say that? Christ, leave it. You know, you know, we can say that in a cliche way because we've read those things in Scripture. Oh, Christ, leave it in me. But see, Paul wasn't talking cliche. He, didn't have, he hadn't read those things anywhere. You know what I mean? So just think about a man just fresh, just saying, Christ, leave it in me. It means Christ, leave it in him. He, was, he wasn't lying. There was actually something. He wasn't quoting Scripture. Where are the ones who are quoting him? <laughs> Where are the ones who are doing what? 
and many times when there's nothing, there's nothing living in us yet. <laughs> we said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That crucifixion, it means that they are taking him through his own path. He had, also, he had already walked with Christ down to Golgotha. I'm talking about not, you know, see, it's not just leg that walk. That journey to Golgotha just started taking it years ago. Walking. Soul. Soul in his soul he was walking there. Walking there. Walking there. Walking to the place of death. After a while, he, in his soul, he was able to land on the cross and give it all up to his father. So you see that crucifixion. That, that crucifixion, Paul calls it, is, is the manner of his death. Right? That I might know him in this Philippians chapter 3. What verse is that? Verse what? Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What is that fellowship? A fellow of his sufferings. Now it's very clear that Paul wasn't flogged like that and nailed to the cross in that way. But he was a fellow of the suffering. So, the, so I mean, there are ways that they could replicate that kind of suffering in his soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It's not that they have to physically nail him. He has his own. He's the partaker of the suffering of Christ. Praise the Lord. He says that, and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. They, they conformed his soul to the death of Christ. So that was the meaning of conform. It means that his death has a form. Yes, Do you get what? Jesus' death, it wasn't just about body dying. If Jesus is, it was just his body that died alone, it will not have anything to do with your sin. Your sin will still be with you. And it won't have any impact on the sin that your soul is committing. So Jesus' death was transcendent, just beyond the body. There was, there was a, a huge portion of that death. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Psalm that he will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That travail, Jesus' soul travailed. Praise the Lord. So that, that conform, conformable to his death, they can make your own soul conformable to his own, to Christ's death. And when they check your soul, ah, they say, God, this guy has actually died that death too. In his soul. Amen. The death that Jesus. Right? And then after a while, Paul began, then after a while, Paul began to, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> after a while, Paul began to make it clear. You know, Paul, I like, I love Paul, see. When a guy who has gone through something is talking, he will just, you know, it's, it's later when you are, amen, you know, <laughs> is it, you know a professor I is different from somebody who has been through dealings. You know professor, they argue, oh no, but uh, in the theological, uh, yeah, what, when you look at it through the lenses of the other side, talking about scripture, <laughs> Paul was not talking <laughs> Paul was, talking, Paul was talking about his chains. Yes, it wasn't God. just physical chains yes, alone. They handled his soul. God kept him down, held him down for the purpose of the things, for his own things. He became a, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, a captive. Jesus, they took him captive. He couldn't live his own life anymore. He lost himself completely. So he wasn't a theological, let's argue something. It's not an argument. People who argue are not doing anything. Yes, sir. 
see, the weight of this thing, when it's on you, you will not have strength to argue. <laughs> when people start arguing, <laughs> 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 praise God. <laughs> when people are expecting you to react this way, see, You won't even feel the need to defend it, number one. You know why? Because the weight of doing it, you are too busy. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Let someone come and, tell, come and argue with me. I have an, a point of argument. I want to prove to you there's nothing called it. Now, where do you start from? Right? I have a point. I want to really prove to you now. I've been reading books. What's your, what's, your, what's, your, what's your case, sir? You see, the country of Canada doesn't really exist. Um, there's actually, well, you, the country that you are living in, you don't, you don't really live in, you pay tax. I mean, they literally collect money from your country. And somebody said that, you want to prove, you just say, please, I'm coming. Maybe you don't, you don't have any time, strength, or that kind of thing. Like someone said, there's nothing called the fate of the sun or the life of Christ. Where do you even begin from? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, so what Paul is talking about here, it wasn't some cliche of anything. Right? Paul was saying, talking about this suffering. After a while, he made it very clear that, look, if you suffer with him, you will be glorified with him. It's according to them. Anybody that doesn't suffer with him, forget about glory. It's very, very clear. What is that suffering with him? You must partake of his kind of suffering. Suffer means the denial of his own self, which he occurred, which occurred when he was on the earth. Praise the Lord. So he said that, being made conformable where? Unto what? Be made conformable unto his death. In Galatians 2.20, say, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ. Was he lying? It was true. Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son. So, so Paul had come into fullness of that image. It was in line. The life which I now live in the flesh. When he looks inside his heart, himself, and summarizes all his agreements, the life, with the things in which he doesn't fight, he fight with. Like in Paul, when he checks his soul, and he's, he can look at charity inside of him. And you know that these are agreements. I agree with all these things. It means I, I suffer long. Right? I am patient. I am kind. In those, he, can, he sees those things on the inside of himself. It's not a lie. He's not concocting anything. They took him through dealings to rot those things on the inside of him. And they are there. When he checks, he sees himself crucified. That I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It's actually not me. Because he knew himself before. But now, yet not I. But now Christ liveth in me. And this life which I now live in the flesh... It's not just my own life. I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. I 
given himself for me. Praise the Lord. So, so Paul had that essence. Then at this place in Philippians, he's not saying that, see, not as though I had already attained. So even though he has come into Christ, the nature of Christ, you know that there's still this attainment, which that Christ nature, the ultimate prize, which he sold, he's supposed to win. So not as though I had already attained, neither either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. You understand that language? So, that I may follow, I follow after, if so that I will apprehend that reason for which I am apprehended of Christ. So, I'm apprehended of Christ to apprehend something. Is that thing for which Christ apprehends a man for? Is for something. Now, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, this is not talking about Christ. He's talking about the full apprehension of what man ought to come into. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, forth, say reaching forth. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, these things, things, because these are the, it's talking about all the things that I hid with Christ in God. So Paul was actually a seeker of things. Amen. So, you know what these men called things? It's not what we call things. Praise God. So there are things which a soul at this point will reach forth unto. So they're reaching forth unto those things which are before. That word before means in front of me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in what? Christ Jesus. Are you seeing? So it is what? The high calling of God. So there's the calling of Christ. There's the high calling of God. There's the calling of Christ. There is the what? High calling of God. These are two things which every soul must apprehend. You must apprehend Christ and you must apprehend God. Now, a soul now that is that has apprehended Christ, in that soul, a new thing has been done. Now, when a new thing has been done in a soul, they now must make it spring forth. It must spring forth. Do you see that? So, that a new thing being done, Remember not the former thing, not that consider the former, the things of old. I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. So the new, you will first do a new thing. The new thing is Christ. Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 43. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Say spring forth. Spring forth. It shall spring forth. So you see the word forth is talking about what is ahead. That Paul was speaking for about here. He said, reaching forth unto those things which are what before. So those things which are before. What is before a man who has apprehended Christ? It's the nature of God. What is before 
a man in whom a new thing has been done. It's God. So it's what? Say spring forth. Spring forth. Spring. Say springing. Springing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now Isaiah, let's now Isaiah forty three. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. How many of you know I'm ministering joy to you? When when they are ministering joy to men, a lot of times men don't feel joyful. Why? Because the count of joy is still sorrow. In the soul. So, when a soul is being, is, is, has been used to being made joyful by sorrowful things, then you begin to real, bring real joy to the soul. The child soul doesn't know that they are ministering joy to them. Until one day. Say one day. One day. No, you know, the Bible said, he said, is this Psalm 83? <laughs> or what? Is it 83? He said, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Yes, so it's not all the people who know the joyful sound. Yes, There's what you call the joyful sound. Do you know is this a joyful sound? What the soul who, ah! The concept of joy, this world has defined joy, joy is to his soul. So when, sometimes when they are ministering joy, it can feel sad. Hey, this man is beating us with Bible. Hey, we endure. What else will we do? Let's endure this Bible. Ah. Amen. Amen. Well, this is joy, eh? This is joy. Joy. One day, what will happen? You will arise. You will arise. You will arise. You will arise into you know, when you know how he said, enter into the joy of your Lord. Entrance. These things that are being ministered to you are things of entrance. You don't know how joyful these things will make you in the future. You know what they are doing to you? They are converting, they are converting mourning into joy. You know that's what they said. The purpose of the ministry of the New Testament is to give you joy instead of mourning. They are t- taking your ashes and turning it into beauty. You know that is beauty that when, anytime they are, anything they are working on your garment, you know this tedious work on your garment, the knitting, you know to knit a garment, it's not very easy. The taking the thread patterns, you know garment has to do with patterns. Every garment is made of patterns. Pattern of the weaving, they are weaving patterns. It's not very, are you seeing where they are making fabric before? Hey, even the noise of the machine can scare you. <laughs> In place, even the sight of how needles going into piercing garments, laying thread after thread, building of patterns. But see the, the making of the garment of the soul, though tedious, though tedious. Remember when the Lord told Moses to tell them to make garments? Say, make garments to Aaron and to his sons for glory and for beauty. The garments are for what? Glory and for beauty. The, every, every time you, are, you invest into these materials, 
Now, you might not know there will be a day of celebration. For everything, every work you allow God to do in you. See, 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 see. You cannot allow God to walk in your soul. And there won't be a day of rejoicing. He said, he who goes forth carrying seed to sow with doubtless return again with joy, bearing the sheaves with him. What's that joy? It's the day of harvest. There's a day of harvest. There's a day when the harvest of these things will come. When there will be an abundance of these things. Every seed of the word has been sown. You know, when, you know when you are sowing thoughts, knowledge, revelation. The day of reaping is not just thought, revelation, you will reap. You will reap life. Life. Say life. You know how the joy will feel? You might not know yet. Because you've not, you've not had a child yet. The joy of a child being born into the world. The day you, you have a child, you understand what I'm talking about. The joy of life. The joy of life. The joy of the day when the life of Christ and of God begins to spring out. Imagine the, imagine the day when God's life springs out within your soul. What peace. What joy. What gladness. Do you know the gladness of that thing where you, in your heart you are seeing the life of your maker? And you know what that, that thing does to you? It gives you access to presence. Presence, presence. I'm not talking of going to church. I'm not talking of. I'm, I don't mean. I don't mean. I mean being in the grocery store and being in presence. I mean washing clothes or whatever you're doing, and you are. Do you know there's nothing? <laughs> presence. Say presence. When Moses enjoyed a little of presence, he said that look. If your presence do not go with us, forget about going. We are just going to be here because he tasted about the, of the presence of God. When you begin to taste the presence, you don't like, realize that, ah, I was actually made for this. So. Yeah. There's nothing better than this. So. Yeah. All the things you've been going after in your life will become nothing. What? Yeah. Going after all the friendship, relevance, being good in the eyes of men, social status, 50 things. Things that you like, that's hyped up outside, but you go home and you're empty and sad. That's not the way presence is. Presence follows you everywhere. You're in the toilet, presence is there. They can't, they can't remove presence from your soul because it's an inheritance. They, they padlock you and cement you and lock you. See, that is where God wants to bring. God wants to have children where there's no, no more separation. That means no more hint of death anymore. God wants, God wants to remove all the hazardous things from your soul to bring you to a point where, because of the amount of salvation, he can no longer hide himself from you. Why? Because his, his pattern has been installed on the inside of your soul. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So behold, I do a new thing very quickly and now we shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the what? In the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me and the dragons and the owl because I give waters in the wilderness 
and rivers in desert to give drink to my people. My what? To give drink to my people. Now, when you see rivers, rivers, river is flowing from somewhere. The river, actually, the, the picture of the way God wants life to be inside of you is a river. How God wants his life to be, to be inside of you, how you should be carrying his life. Are you understand what I'm saying? The way God wants you to carry his life. The life that God wants to give to you is a river. So God wants a man to be a river like, like, like you, my brother. God wants to, to make you a river. Right. Jesus said that. He said, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, that out of his belly shall flow forth rivers of what? Living water. So the point where rivers begin to flow out of his soul is when the new, a new thing that has been done in him has sprung forth. When the life in a man springs forth, it becomes a river. It becomes a river. Uh, the river which God wants to flow out of you, may I live in that living water is talking about everlasting life. Yes, Go and try and finish a river. You see a river, a whole city can be using it. They use it to wash clothes, they use it to drink, they use it to, to do irrigation, to feed their plants, and it's there for generations. That's what a river is. It's just it's flowing, everlasting. A river is an, is an image of an everlasting, it's an everlasting thing. River means everlasting life. It's just flowing. It's just flowing. It's just flowing. You can't finish it. See, there is a river whose streams, the streams thereof, make glad the city of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that, that river, it starts first as just a little thing. Like Jesus said, let's quickly read John chapter 4 as we close. Praise God. <laughs> John chapter 4. Praise God. Are you there? If you are there, say amen. amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. This was when Jesus met that woman and he asked her for water, right? It says, verse 10, Jesus said, answered and said unto her, that if thou knew, knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee what? Living water. Praise God. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And verse 13, And Jesus answered and said unto her, That whosoever drinketh of this water, amen, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A well of water. So a well of water 
is the life of Christ. When a person has, has found, has Christ in them, is a well. A well is also a new thing. A well is also a new thing. But there's a point where it will begin to spring up into what? Into, into everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Heaven wants to make us fully compatible with the with their project on the earth. Commitment is a commitment that the heart needs to have to receiving new things. Like never before, like never before, like never before. Because our level of commitment is tied to the way heaven can be free to release. You know, thank God God is blessing us, you know, around these waters. I mean, things are being said. The Lord is speaking. But this is not even, this is not at the level. God is not still yet speaking at the level that he, will, he intends and he wants to speak at. The way God wants his voice to shake both the heavens and the earth. You see the kind of impact that God's voice was having on that mountain of Sinai. Where men were quaking. Things were, that's the kind of, of voice. The way the voice. See the voice of God has different degrees. God wants to speak and speak to a point where he will begin to thunder. His voice will begin to sound like a thunder on the inside of, on the inside of hearts. But if you are not yet compatible with his, his meaning, the ministry of new things, newness, men who, who will to stand the thundering of God are souls who are, who are sold out to newness. They've forgotten the former things. They are ready for the things, things of old, things of new and the new things. For God to do a new thing in them and even God to make it to. It is words, speakings of God that will make the new thing to spring forth. It will spring forth. And spring forth is also springing up. To spring up even into what? Into everlasting life. Amen. Let's just begin to bless God. Uh, now I just begin to pray. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Oh, yes, thank you. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Paratali parosha paradosi pratone kikora. Paramatata presta susata brana. O mene kaurando ra obodana. O mana ona amana omana omanos. Kai el Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name tonight. Lord, thank you because you have instructed our hearts and Lord, you have brought conviction, Lord, for, our, for us, helping us to see why we need to align with your, your program and your, Lord, the pattern which you want to use to bring us to your old self. Lord, I pray that every heart will be able to connect with the blessing in this in these words, I pray, Father, Lord, a fresh commitment Amen. to hearing everything that you have to say and Amen. through the means that you would, you would want to bring these things and even the way of which you want to communicate them. Father, thank you. May we never be short-sighted. Enlarge our heart and open Amen. it up. And at least make our heart, Lord, even prepared as a vessel, Lord, that is faithful, that can also relate with you, Lord, through the faith which you have designed for us. I pray, O oh God, that we will not stop short. We will leave those things which are behind and we will press forth toward the mark of the high calling. Thank you, Jesus. And no one under the sound of my voice will fall short of this great calling. You will help us, Father. We receive help, receive grace, receive mercy. Thank you, our Father. 
We give all the glory to your holy name. We bless you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.